0: Alright, well I have, us just about time to get going tonight. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off on page 8, then we're going to go back to page 7, and then we're going to go to the observations, the new sheet out there, some observations about hell from teaching of Jesus Christ. So before we begin tonight, let's bow and look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your precious word and your people who've come out tonight. We pray that you would Use your word to minister to us this evening. I pray that we would be well grounded in the word of God and would be able to defend truth. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. By way of general observation, Satan and demons don't bring up the subject of hell. Jesus Christ does. And of course, that's a pretty interesting observation because they don't want people to even think in terms of hell But I can tell you this, whenever they have thought of hell, they're terrified of it. In fact, I would have you just go to Luke chapter 8 for just a moment and see this episode when the Lord Jesus Christ was confronting demons. And there was apparently a large number of demons that were involved with this particular individual In verse 26 of Luke 8, then they sailed to the country of the Gerazinus, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out unto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss, Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine and he gave them permission. So what we would learn about demons here is they do not want anything to do with this place that's known as the abyss and we'll try to specifically identify that later in a different study what that abyss is but that's a hellish place where demons go. And they obviously are so terrified of this place that they don't want to go there. So the person who comes on the scene, who really is in a position to teach us the most and talk to us the most about this place, hell, is Jesus Christ. And he's the one who, as we've cataloged things, we determined there were about 25 references. We're analyzing 22, basically, but there are about 25 references that he makes to this place, And what we're addressing is could we establish that this is a real place? Is hell a real place based on just objective observations that we can make concerning what the Lord Jesus Christ said, what the Lord Jesus Christ taught? And we left off at number 19 last week, and I'd have you go to Luke 16, 23 to 31. I'm going to read the text. I won't spend a lot of time on this text because we are going to come back to it in a while, not tonight, but we will come back to it and dissect it. But in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, in Hades, that is in hell, he, that is the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' bad things, but now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him away to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Now, what we see here is that the Lord Jesus is speaking of this place, Hades or hell, and he defines it as a person who's in agony in flame, and he defines it as a place of torment. And in verse 28, for I have five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment, you would have to say, they're saying this is a real place. It's a place. And this man who's actually in this place doesn't want his brothers to come into this place. And that literally does read into the place of the torment. So that's the way it would read. So obviously, just by looking at that, that is a very real specific place. Now go over to Luke 17 and verse 26. We read, Just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will also in the days of the Son of Man they were eating, They were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, obviously in this text, Jesus speaks of a judgment of fire and brimstone, And you certainly would have to conclude it is a literal judgment, it's a literal fire, because in the context, Noah was a real literal person, and there was a real literal flood, which even geologists have concluded there was some massive flood that took place on the earth. And then also, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by a literal fire, so when he speaks of this fire and brimstone, that he will connect to hell in another text, we would have to draw the conclusion, this is a very real literal place. I mean, that's the way that the Lord Jesus Christ is presenting it. Then if you go to John 15 and verse 6, we read, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into a fire, and they are burned. Now, Jesus speaks of casting one into fire to be burned. You're casting into the fire to be burned. Now, do branches and brush actually get burned? Do they literally, physically actually get burned? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So if we draw the analogy that there is this place that Jesus talks about where people go, where they burn in fire, and then he uses analogies pertaining to judgment. It would be like, for example, if you throw away a branch and it dries up and you burn it, You'd have to say, well, that's pretty literal stuff he's referring to here. He's using this to make a literal point that there are places where you can be burned. And then one more will be Revelation 118, which is so important. In Revelation 118, we read, And the living one and I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades He has the keys of death and Hades, which is important to doctrine and theology because Satan is not the ruler over hell. That's interesting because in folklore, they'll make Satan the ruler of hell. He's not the ruler of hell at all. fact of the matter is, he has no power to put anyone into hell, and he has no power once he's in there. He's going to be in the same burning fire. By virtue of the fact that there are keys, we would say this is a real place. Now, those are the teachings of Jesus Christ. So now before we go back to page 7 and finish up with some of the other references, take your observation page about hell from the teaching of Jesus Christ, and we want to make tonight 16 observations based on those passages we covered last Wednesday and tonight. Observation number one. And I am not citing all the references that we went through, but we cite enough to give you the gist of it. Observation number one, hell is a place into which one may be cast. And by using that preposition into, ice in Greek, it is a place that a person is not in, but they can actually go into this place, movement into this place. That preposition teaches that, that hell is a place into which one may be cast, Number two, hell is a place of fire, fire. And I think that the word fire pure, go back to Matthew chapter 5 for just a minute. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to have us look up a couple of references in regard to this. And at the end of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22, we read, You fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery fiery hell. And there's our word fire. Now, if you go to Matthew 3.10, just back up to Matthew 3.10, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, and therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, when the word fire is used, we have to say, are we talking here about a real literal fire? And my conclusion is yes. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about a real literal fire. And when the Lord Jesus says that there's this place of fire that one may be thrown into, you can be sure he's talking about a very real place with a very real fire. And the fire burns like burns up wood. I mean, that's the analogy that he gives to us. Now, the third observation we want to make, which also comes from Matthew, is this is a place of total darkness. I'd like you to go to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to try to, at the end of this study, pull all this stuff together to formulate a final conclusion about this. But in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12, we read, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we say, all right, what kind of darkness are we talking about? Skotas is the word, skotas. What kind of darkness are we talking about? Well, go over to Matthew 6. Let's just look at the word that's used here. Matthew 6, verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. There's our word. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So the analogy that's given to us there is it is a place that if you're in this place, it's so dark, it's like you're blind. And that's the analogy of the word there. In other words, we're talking about a darkness that would be like, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where you've been in a place where it's so dark that you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. I've done that before, especially in the mountains when I used to go in early in the morning. There'd be times you could put your hand right there and not see the hand in front of your face. And that's the kind of darkness that's described, that exists in this place. Now, the fourth observation that we may make is that hell is a place that's eternal. It's eternal. And I'm picking a lot of these from Matthew, and then we're going to go to Luke 2. But in Matthew chapter 25, and you can go back through all the references where we have these things. But in Matthew 25, 41, we read that he will also say to those on the left, apart from me, a cursed one, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So this is a dark place, it's a fireplace, and it's an eternal place. Now the word eternal, Ionian, is a word that means it has no end, without end. That's a good way to understand the word eternal. It means without end when it comes to time. In fact, when that adjective is used to describe this place that's eternal, it would actually indicate that this is a place that there's no temporality to it. I mean, this is a place that is forever. So Jesus describes this place as it's a place of fire. It's a place that's really dark. You can't see. It's a place where people burn, and it's a place that doesn't end. Once you're in there, you're in there, and it goes on forever and ever. Now, it is also a place of judgment. If you go to Luke chapter 13, and we don't necessarily need to read all of this, but in Luke 13 and verse 28, we read In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out, and they will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at the Table and behold, some are last will be first, and some first who are last. So, this place is going to be a place of judgment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a place to reform people, it's a place that judges people. When you go into this place, you're not going in there so we can have some type of reform, so you might repent, and you might get out of there. If you go into this place, it's a place of judgment, it's a place of fire, it's a place of total darkness, and it's a place that's eternal. You're not going to get out. We already mentioned the fact, number six, it's a place of torment, and the word there, and we'll crawl through that text later, not tonight, but later, that's in a place of intense pain, intense pain for one that's in there, it doesn't let up, it doesn't relinquish, Hell is also a place number 7 where nothing dies. Now I want you to go to Mark 9. We looked at this last week. We kind of were finishing up with this, but I want to go back to that and I want to point out something from Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, we read in verse 42 these words, whoever causes one of these little ones who believed to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better that you enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now what is stressed there is any person who ends up in hell is not going to die. Including a worm is not going to die. When you bring out the worm, you're talking about the creature that is at the lowest level in the heart of the fire. If you're in a place that's fiery and you've got a worm there, they're at the lowest possible level in the most intense place where the heat and the fire would be burning. And the text is very clear in that place, the worm doesn't die. In other words, any person who's going to hell is not just going to go there and die and be done with it. No. They're going to be in this place forever and ever. Now, I want to bring out an important point about Matthew 10, 28. If you go back to Matthew 10, 28, this is observation number 8. And the observation number 8 is hell is a place that houses a person's body and soul. I want to go back and talk about that for a minute. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. What we learn from that is all people in hell have a body, and all people in hell have a soul. That's what we learn. Now obviously, it's not the flesh body that would burn up, because if they had a flesh body like the body we have, it would just burn up. It's not going to burn up. So they have a body, they're recognizable while they're there, and they also have a soul while they're there. And the body and soul that a person has who's actually put in hell is capable of burning. It's capable of burning forever and ever. And that is exactly what that text would imply. Now, we know from Luke 12 that hell is a place for unbelievers. That's our ninth Observation. So if you reject Jesus Christ, hell is where you go. See, some people say hell is for bad people, but good people won't go to hell. That's crazy doctrine. No, there'll be plenty of what people would call good people burning in hell. The issue of going to hell or not going to hell is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ who took our punishment and took the wrath of God on him to keep us out of this place. But if a person rejects Jesus Christ, I don't care if they're bad or good. If they reject Jesus Christ, this is where they're going to go. They're going to go to hell. Now, the tenth observation that we want to make comes from a couple of passages that I want to take you to, and I want to talk about this for a minute. And that is, hell is a place of isolated imprisonment. It's a place of isolated imprisonment. Let's start with, well, as long as we're open to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 24, 51. And we read, And he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, I want you to notice the noun place. We pointed this out last week. It's the noun meras in Hebrew. It is a word that speaks of different portions, different parts to it. In fact, let me show you how that word is translated this place earlier in the book of Matthew. Go back to chapter 2 and verse 22. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 22. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there, and after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions, there's our word, regions, of Galilee. So you're talking about different parts, different portions, different divisions. And obviously, there must be something to this in hell, different divisions and different parts where people are. If you go to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, and notice verse 46 the master of that slave will come in a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And there's our word place with the unbelievers. So we have this specific place. That contains different parts or portions or divisions, different districts, as it were. Now, if you are in isolated imprisonment, the question arises, and I'm going to try to just build the doctrine of hell on what the scripture says, period. I'm not going on philosophical arguments. Believe me, I've read a bunch of them. And I have studied what people speculate. I'm not going to base this on speculation, I'm going to go with the words. If there is a place, a specific place, where a person who's an unbeliever goes in hell, it's a place of fire, it's a place of total darkness, it's a place that's eternal, it's a place where they're never going to get out, it's a place of nothing. It could be like a place of isolation in a prison. And I want to show you something interesting Because if this is accurate, if we're accurate in our conclusions here, then what we would say is somebody in hell can't just look around and see a bunch of other people in hell. And somebody in hell can't look over there and say, well, now I see more intense fire burning over here than it's burning here. And let me show you something real interesting that comes from that Luke text, Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, I find this very, very fascinating and very informative. The rich man dies, and Lazarus dies, and Lazarus, of course, goes to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man ends up in Hades. All right, hell. Verse 23, he lifted up his eyes. Spot that. He lifted up his eyes. He's not looking this way to see him. He's not looking over there. I see Abraham's bosom. He lifts up his eyes, which would perhaps teach us that once a person is in the imprisonment of hell, the only direction that they could look where they could potentially see anything would be look up. You can't see anything looking any other way because you have this darkness described. But you'll notice carefully the text, and I analyze this, it does say in Hades, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. So he's not looking around, he's not looking horizontally in any way, shape, or form, and seeing anything, he looks vertically. And when he looks vertically, that's when he's able to see something, which, of course, he cries out when he sees Abraham and asks him to get out of that place. So hell is a place of isolated imprisonment. We also know from Matthew eight twelve that hell is a place where there's weeping. We saw that. There is the weeping and there is the gnashing of the teeth. The word weeping is a word clothmas, a wailing type of thing, a crying and wailing based on grief and pain. I'm just laying out what the Bible reveals about hell. This is a place where there's wailing, there's pain, it's eternal, it's dark, it's nothing dies, you can't escape. One that's in there is in there forever. It is a place that is literal We made that observation in Luke 17 tonight, just as Noah and the judgment of the flood was literal, and just as Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah were literal, so was hell. Hell is a place of gnashing teeth. Now, that word gnashing, brugmas, is a word that speaks of biting and grinding teeth with great fast intensity. You know, when we kind of grind our teeth, we don't necessarily do it with great speed or intensity. I mean, we actually do it not thinking about it, but this is real agonizing biting and grinding of teeth that is taking place here. As we pointed out in Luke 8, hell is a place that demons fear. We pointed out in Luke 16, hell is a place where one does not want relatives to go. And we pointed out in Revelation 1.18, hell is a place in which Jesus Christ has the keys. So, based on those observations and those observations come straight from what Jesus Christ taught when he was here. No one else would be in a position to know this place, know about this place, to be able to describe this place because if they leave this world and go to this place they're not coming back to tell us. So the only one who could come into this world who would be in a position to actually lay out what this place is like would be Jesus Christ. And the devil and the demons are not about to tell people what hell is like because if people come to terms with the truth of what hell is actually like, you'd be a fool not to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and turn away from the world and the devil and the flesh and anything else that's connected to them. I mean, you'd be a fool not to do that. So we would conclude based on this that hell is a real place. It really does exist. It's not a party place. It's not a party place. It's anything but that. It's an awful, horrible place. And if one ends up in this place, they're going to regret that forever because it's eternal. So you have this dark, fiery place described by Jesus Christ that exists. And also what we learn is Satan's not the ruler over hell. No, I guarantee you he's not the ruler over hell. He has no say who goes into hell. He has no say where one goes when they go into hell. He has nothing to do with it. So these ideas that come out of Hollywood and books and science fiction and all this other mumbo-jumbo, you stick with the scriptures because this is exactly what Jesus Christ taught about hell. Well, our time is gone tonight, so we're going to have to come back to page 7 and finish that up, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. Any questions? that we have about this tonight. Yes, Marsha. Fire, we think of bright light, so how does that figure end with how being so dark that there's fire there? Well, like the brimstone side of it would probably lessen the flame of it, and whether or not the person is able, I mean, you could be burning in a flame and still be surrounded by total darkness. I mean, you could have the flame there, but be burning in darkness, and since I've never been there, I don't know. And I don't intend to go see it. Marcia. When you were talking about Abraham, um, and he looked up and saw Abraham, would these people look into heaven then? We're going to talk about that down the road. Let's reserve your question. That's a great question. We'll talk about that down the road, whether they would be able to see something that they're not experiencing. It certainly would add weight to the fires of hell, but boy, that's a horrible place to think about. Terrible. Well, we have another great text we're going to look at in Romans. It's such a mild book. And Nahum, the first verses of this book, you're going to find fascinating Sunday night. So thanks for coming. Good night. The Lord bless you.